I came up with the bullet jewelry idea near the end of my Afghanistan deployment. Jewelry is something that I kind of tinkered with a little bit before the deployment, like while I was going through my divorce and I was like, I, I need an outlet. I need to be doing something instead of staring at the walls. So near the end of the deployment, we were turning in our ammo as we do because we didn't need it. And it was really just a random idea as we were sitting there talking with, you know, my, my team members. I was like, I wonder what they do with the ammo that we turned in. And it kind of went along the lines of, you know, what do they do with the casings that we turn in when we go to the range? Should you go to the range, you have to pick up all your brass right. and turn it back in to the supply people. I'm like, what do they do with it? Like, they don't reload it. Welcome to the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Our mission is to help veterans and their family members transition from military to civilian life and culture. As best we can, we avoid stigmatizing names and terms. We feature conversations with those who have encountered unexpected reactions in their journey, including nightmares, rage, and isolation. Participants in our segments share experiences that make them uniquely qualified to join the quest to identify, understand, and resolve these enormous life challenges. Stigma-Free Vet Zone is brought to you by the Orban Foundation for Veterans. Learn more by visiting the Veterans.org and donations are always welcome at the Veterans.org slash donate. Thank you for embarking on this educational journey with the Stigma-Free Vet Zone podcast. Here's today's segment. If you've been in the service, you probably know the smell of gunpowder burning. I'm with somebody who keeps learning about the smell of gunpowder burning, but for some artistic reasons. Ashley Spangberg. Hi, Scott. <laughs> a veteran from Strum, Wisconsin, is with me today. And when I talk about the burning gunpowder, that's one of the art programs that she's developed, an art project for herself. Ashley, tell me about that project. How did you start using gunpowder in art? I saw it on Instagram. But it's funny that you mentioned the smell of gunpowder because I never correlated the two. Like, obviously, I like the smell of gunpowder, but and I use it in my art, but I've never correlated it to my military time in my military. <laughs> like, that's probably why I like it. That is interesting. Tell us about your time in the military. You did some tours uh, around the... I did. Yeah, I tell us a about couple, it. a couple trips around the world. Um, I was National Guard for 12 years here in Wisconsin with the 829 engineer company out of Chippewa. We went to Iraq in 2009-2010, did detainee ops mission over at Camp Cropper. Uh, And then in 2014, we went over to Afghanistan and we had an actual engineering mission, but I was maintenance, so I worked on trucks and that kind of fun stuff. Was that your civilian job at the time, kind of working with auto stuff? Uh At that time, yeah, I was working at a car dealership, but when I started in the military, I was a mechanic. And then I switched to logistical specialist, which is still maintenance. Like I grew up around cars, 
maintenance just kind of made sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that was just my path, I guess, then. Not what I do now, but it still applies and still in logistics, just not the automotive world. So, Out of curiosity, when you came home from your tours, somewhere along the line you had a daughter. Is that after both of your tours were done or when? No, I I had my daughter really young. I was 20. She was two when I went to Iraq and seven when I went to Afghanistan. So That had to throw in some interesting dynamics. Coming home. Um, uh, it did. The first time around, like, she doesn't actually remember me being gone the first time. Um, she does remember. Like, the only thing she remembers about that deployment was talking to me on the computer because we would Skype. Um, once every few days and she remembers talking to me on the computer but she doesn't actually remember me being gone which is kind of funny and you know she was seven when I went to Afghanistan and you know Skype was still still a thing but she was in school at that point so it was a little bit more difficult to coordinate when you know we got to to talk and stuff like that. We overlooked that time difference uh, even with the technology that we have Mm -hmm. uh, even back with Skype yeah, coordinating that when you think about it, if you had a student age child. Yeah, I think a lot of times, like, because there's an eight, nine hour difference. Yeah. A lot of times I was staying up till, you know, one, two in the morning just to be able to Skype her when she got home from school. Or I would wake up extra early, but, you know, Skype her before I did PT at, you know, four in the morning. How did it work coming home? and uh, transitioning back into the world, as we used to call it. How did that work with her? It was difficult, like, yeah. especially uh, Afghanistan, because um, she was older. You know, she realized that I was gone and why I was gone. And I had gone through a divorce right before I left for Afghanistan. So that kind of added to the, the mess, you know? Yeah. So coming back, she was, you know, she stayed with her dad and his parents, you know, they kind of shared responsibilities while I was gone and she had her her routines with them and me just kind of coming back and being like, mom's back. This is what we're doing now. Was the transition harder for you than her? I mean, she had her, her. she had her routines though. Yeah. I mean, and you, Um, you had to become mom again yeah I honestly I think it was probably harder on her than me because like it was the second time I come back from a deployment and I knew exactly you know I had a plan in place you know I was going to take some time I settle into our new place and then go back to work like in my head I knew what that was going to be but for her it was a total routine change for her Ah. you know going back to You know, going to be with mom for the week and dad for the weekend. Whereas, you know, when I was gone, it was just every, you know, she was with dad for a few days and then she was with grandma and grandpa for a few days. And yeah, I'm sure it was more difficult for her than me. (laughs) Yeah. All's well that ends well where that's concerned. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Everything went well there. And along the way, you got the idea to create some art. Not with just with gunpowder either, but with. Uh, empty cartridges. Why art to start with? Did art has always been my go-to, my release, my therapy. Yeah, I guess. I did you feel a need, or or did you just do it and and 
it's just always been a part of me. I, yeah. I don't know how to explain that. Like art, ha- it's always been something that I've done ever since, you know, for as long as I can remember a little kid, like painting, my mom taught me how to cross stitch. I got into drawing a lot, like realistic drawing when I was in middle school. I had an awesome art teacher in middle school who really encouraged my, my art skills and yeah. to learn. I l- lost it. A little bit when I got, you know, you get married and have kids and career and college and art kind of fell to the wayside. Like it was just fun stuff that I did with my daughter. But through like my divorce and then coming back from deployments, like I mentioned before, it's that was my art was my therapy, like being creative again and letting my mind create something that I don't know, just using my brain. (laughs) Yeah, as opposed to throwing something against the wall. Yeah. Not that you ever got to that point or anything. Uh, maybe that's a story for, you know, let let me get there. I've thrown stuff (laughs) when it comes to my art. No. So I came up with the bullet jewelry idea near the end of my Afghanistan deployment. Jewelry is something that I kind of tinkered with a little bit before the deployment, like while I was going through my divorce and I was like, I I need an outlet. I need to be doing something instead of staring at the walls. So near the end of the deployment, we were turning in our ammo as we do because we didn't need it. And it was really just a random idea as we were sitting there talking with, you know, my, my team members. I was like, I wonder what they do with the ammo that we turned in and it kind of went along the lines of, you know, what did they do with the casings that we turn in when we go to the range? You go to the range, you have to pick up all your brass and turn it back in to the supply people. I'm like, what do they do with it? Like they don't reload it. And I was like, it'd be kind of cool to turn it into jewelry. And that, that was my coming home plan really is Hmm. I'm going to get some casings and start making jewelry. And that's what I did. Like I got back mid-December and I look back at my Facebook and my Instagram post and I think March was the first time I posted a pair of bullet earrings or something like the first thing that I ever came up with. Earrings, necklaces, what what all you make? Bracelets, I do rings now but yeah just the basics, earrings, necklaces, bracelets. Um, I've kind of branched out now, I do some men's accessories, I do keychains, Mm-hmm. Uh, tie tacks, cufflinks. I got a bunch of stuff now. Oh. And you actually turned this into a, a side business. Uh, it is. It yeah. is a full fledged business. So I've been doing it for eight years now. And the business business's name is Patriot Beads and Brass. Okay. I started doing gun shows, and those have always done really well. I got into a couple local stores a few years back, probably five years ago years ago now um doing consignment stuff then i've kind of switched over into doing bigger shows like motorcycle mm-hmm. rallies i did country jam last year which was super fun <laughs> <laughs> and now i've kind of shifted to selling wholesale so i've sold mm-hmm. to the gift shop at the high ground i've sold my jewelry there wholesale for a couple years uh last year i got onto a website uh called fair it's a mm-hmm. wholesaling website, like small businesses can list their stuff and then like other small businesses, like boutiques and gift shops and stuff go on and shop for stuff for their stores, kind of essentially. So right now I am sitting at 
Um, my jewelry is in 16 different stores across the U.S. and Canada. Mm. There's a store in Canada, yeah. which is like mind blowing to me. Like <laughs> I've gone from just selling locally in Wisconsin to across the nation. Yeah. Which is really cool. It um, is. And with that, it gives me the freedom to, I do less in-person shows. I do less, less art and craft fairs. I still do my big shows, the motorcycle stuff. I'm going to be at Country Jam this year. But it's it's nice that I've been able to shift that because it, it frees up my time to make more art. And I still come up with new jewelry designs, but it's the last two, actually since the pandemic. I went out through, I went through this burnout phase and I'm like, I just, I don't know if I want to do this. It's, uh, I don't even know how to explain it, but I was like, I don't, I don't know about this, but it's been nice to shift to more of a wholesaling focus mm-hmm. than me selling face to face. Yeah. And the shift wasn't just in how you sell it. You shifted some of your art into those other areas. I mentioned the gunpowder. Yeah. Um, so explain that, how that went. I've been doing the gunpowder art for probably six years now. It was, it was a year or two after I started doing the bullet jewelry. I came across an Instagram post of a guy. He had done like a portrait or something with gunpowder on a piece of wood. And I said, that is so cool. I want to try it. <laughs> so I got a bunch of wood. I went to Shields and bought some gunpowder the dude that I was asking questions to was not so sure about it, but he let me buy it. And I started doing just the gunpowder art on pieces of wood. And then somewhere along the lines, I started doing watercolor paintings, mm-hmm. um, very abstract stuff, uh, literally just splotches of color on the paper. And then whatever I see is what comes out kind of like I, mm-hmm. so I do the watercolor and then I lay down my gunpowder in whatever design I want over the top of it, I light it on fire. It, I ooh and ah because it's flames and it's pretty. I take in the smell of the gunpowder, <laughs> <laughs> and then it burns the design into the paper. Yeah. Um, and it looks, it's, I don't, I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have to post a picture. Yeah. Of something with yeah. the, the thing. Um, some other people love it too because. You managed to sell some of that art. I do, which yeah. is like mind blowing to me. Like, okay, jewelry, everybody likes jewelry, but for me to sell a painting is a whole nother level of like, huh, maybe I can actually call myself an artist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's really, it's really interesting that people want gunpowder paintings. Yeah. Um, and some people have asked for like prints. I haven't really ventured into that yet because yeah. I feel like the gun, not only does the gunpowder burn into the paper, but it leaves the texture. Like you can yeah. see the texture of, cause there's different types of gunpowder. Like there's little sand granular pellets and there's little stick type pellets and it leaves the texture in the paper. And if I were to make a print, I don't, I feel like that wouldn't transfer over. So I haven't, I just haven't ventured into it yet, but so right now I'm just selling originals. Yeah, it's just mind-blowing that people want my art. <laughs> <laughs> Something uh, that you mentioned to me a while ago was the veteran art community. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of support to lean on back and forth 
and passing ideas back and forth. It's it's a wide community. I know we have that in among the writers of my world. Yeah. And you've bumped into a lot of this too, maybe? I have. I I don't know if I want to say veteran artists. There are a lot of veteran artists out there. Mm-hmm. Prior to the pandemic, I actually got linked up with a veteran business organization based out of Colorado. It's called Veterans Referring Veterans. And it's all veteran business owners. And there's a few artists in there as well. Mm-hmm. But running a business is, especially as an artist, it's like, I just want to make art. The business stuff kind of like, I have to do it. But this organization has really helped with that because we do bounce ideas. There's so many different businesses on there to help you with your like taxes and marketing, all that other kind of stuff. But there are a lot of veteran art organizations. Like I know a few years ago, we kind of did a thing and there's so many out there. I'm totally blanking on naming a few. That's okay. We get the point. (laughs) You haven't kept the art to yourself and you haven't kept the therapeutic actions to yourself. I know you've promoted the idea of veterans finding their own therapy in this. And I have done some programs. Why do you find it important? Just it, It does it for you. So the reason I do watercolor is because I can't control it. And I've talked, I talked about when I do the, the workshops, I talk about this. I am a, I'm going to say a control freak. I like knowing what's going to happen. And I, I, I like being in control of life. Stability is important for me. So when I, like in high school, when I would do like acrylic paintings, Mm-hmm. That was my thing because I knew exactly what I wanted it to do. But watercolor yeah. doesn't really work like that. or Not like the way that I do it. I like that you can put the color on the paper and it's going to move and flow. And it might not turn out the way that you want it to. Mm-hmm. And then you add the gunpowder. And something that it when you light gunpowder on fire and it's burning, sometimes the pellets have a tendency to jump around. Yep. So your end product isn't going to be entirely what you envisioned. So this art form really allows me to give up that control and just accept the fact that it's not going to go the way that I envisioned. Yeah. And I think that helps me in like my day-to-day life. Like when things don't go as planned, it, it helps me accept that and not freak out as much about it. So that's what I like when I do the workshops. I like to really stick to that point of don't try and control the brush. Don't try and control the water. Just let it do its thing. Yeah. You know, have an idea of what you want and just, just let it go. Yeah. And that that's the therapy for me. Something a while ago that you also mentioned to me at one of your workshops, when I do writing workshops, whether it be with veterans or non-veterans, it's challenging for me to hear somebody say, this is an intimidating thing. This writing stuff intimidates me. During one of your workshops (laughs) that I was participating in, what did I tell you? You said you were intimidated by the watercolor. I am. I And that's hard to grasp. And how do we get around that, that that we tell people in our writing, my writing programs or your art programs? 
how do we get people over that fear? If you I, know the answer, here's answer? $10. Is there an answer? No, I think it's really just accepting the fact that it might fail. <laughs> I don't want to say practice makes perfect, but practice makes better. Yeah. You know, and like, I think it's important to try new things. Like your thing is writing. Yeah. And my thing is art, right? Like painting. Yeah. And what did I say to you when you said that you were intimidated by the watercolor painting? I think you said something about, uh, now you know what right. I feel like when I'm doing a writing program and you're, yeah. Yeah. Like I think it goes both ways. Yeah. That you just, you just need to accept that it's not going to be perfect and that's okay. Yeah. Like somehow it's good to do because it gets a lot out of your system in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It gets a lot out of your system. Yeah. I feel the same way about writing. You, I think you had asked for like an artist statement a while back for some art show thing that I had stuff in. And mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know. And it wasn't until I think you actually wrote one up for me. I was like, I don't know, just do something. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until uh, the high ground had an art, a uh, veteran art exhibit and they wanted a artist statement for that. So yeah. I've been doing this bullet jewelry for eight years, painting stuff for six, roughly. And that that art show was a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have an actual artist statement until then. Because I just yeah. didn't know what to write. Yeah. I think something that you just said, the very last statement there, I just don't know. And that's okay in mm -hmm. using art or writing, whatever it is as part of our transitions into the regular life back out of the military, that it's okay to not always know and yeah. and to get this out of your body, out of your mind, yeah. and onto paper. Yes. I do appreciate the fact, at least, that mine is on paper and yours is on paper. <laughs> Any new art projects in mind, or is this, uh, is this it? Some morning you're going to wake up and say, Oh, I have to do this. My ADHD has kicked in the last year or so. I've tried a few. I have so many half-finished projects sitting in my basement of like new ideas. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go and do this and add this to my product line, or I'm gonna shift focus into this more. And we're gonna we're gonna call it ADHD burnout. I, for right now, we're sticking with bullet jewelry and watercolor paintings and the gunpowder art. There might be a few other things that pop up in my, my booth, my craft booth, but yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> for folks who might be listening to this, there's a quite an age difference between my time in service and Ashley's <laughs> time in service. No. Uh, yeah, there is. And, um, I'm finding, and I'm wondering if you're finding it, that when, when you do a program, the age doesn't matter, that we all kind of need this stuff at any age. Healing never stops, does it? Absolutely, yeah. I I don't care if you're five years old yeah, or 20 or 50 or 90. I think art has a way of healing 
everybody. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter if you're 90 and your painting looks like a five-year-old did it. You will still get something out of it. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I love about art, there's actually something tr I'm trying to instill in my in my daughter. I saw a quote somewhere, probably Pinterest, something along the lines of, there's been this like shift in society, uh, like this hus hustle culture, they call it. Like mm -hmm. you take your hobbies and you try and make money off of it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Which I, obviously that's what I've done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're looking at it from an art therapy perspective, like not everything you make needs to be sell sellable. You know, sometimes, yeah. and I'm still in the back of my mind trying to dig for that quote. Like, when did your hobbies stop being your hobbies and yeah. become a business? Like, why? Yeah. You know, sometimes you can make art just because you like making art. Yeah. It doesn't matter if anybody likes it. It doesn't matter if anybody ever sees it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you put it on the wall. Yeah. Just make, create something for you. Yep. And I think that's, from, from the therapy's perspective, that's really important. Like, some people can make and sell art, and that's great for them. That's good. But that's not... How, how many pieces of writing do you have sitting somewhere that nobody has ever seen? Far more than I would people would know or admit. I yes. would admit. No, there there I've is a, a lot. I've got a whole stack and, of paintings in my basement that will yeah probably get thrown in a bonfire someday. Yeah, and, um, and but that's and, okay. Like it, it 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 did its purpose. It served its purpose for me. Right. And you know, right now my daughter's in high school. She's played volleyball since forever. And she, you know, she's frustrated because she's not making varsity volleyball yeah. team. And I'm like, does it matter? Like, do you still enjoy playing? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, what difference does it make if you're playing varsity or JV? Yeah. You know, just play because you like to play, not because you're a certain spot on the team or, you know. Yeah. So I think, I think a lot of people lose sight of doing things that they enjoy just because they enjoy it. Or because it helps you. Thanks for visiting with me today, Ashley. Thank you for having me, Scott. This, this is, that's Ashley Spangberg, one of the great artists. And by the way, how do people see your products? I have a website. It is patriotbeadsandbrass.com. I am on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok sometimes. <laughs> you can just Google search Patriot Beads and Brass and you'll find me. All right, and you're probably willing to do some programs if somebody needs yeah, some help. Absolutely. I love doing the, the art workshops with the High Ground and any other organization. I, I love yeah. sharing my love for art. Yeah. Again, that's Ashley Spangberg, Patriot Beads and Brass, helping us with her art. As always, here on Stigma Free Vet Zone, I'm going to remind you, if you have any mental crisis going on, please pick up the phone and dial 988-PROMPT-1 and find some help. For the entire crew here at Stigma Free Vet Zone, I'm Scott Schultz. Thank you for listening to the Stigma Free Vet Zone podcast. Your feedback is welcomed and encouraged. You'll find contact information on our webpage, OrbanFoundationForVeterans.org. 
While you're there, please consider making a contribution. Donations help us continue to bring greater hope, understanding, and resolution on issues of civilian readjustment for all military veterans and families. Anyone who donates to the podcast will receive a free copy of the book, Sold Out, Conquering the Experiences of War by Michael Orban. Thanks for joining us, and please tune in again.